Hey everybody, welcome to the Enlighten Me podcast. I'm your host Mackenzie and you are listening to episode 92 of the show. Before we dive in today, I want to take a second to thank a sponsor who is helping to make this show possible. Today's show is made possible by Babo Botanicals. Each Babo Botanicals product is handcrafted with organic, plant-based ingredients that protect, wash, and moisturize both naturally and effectively. Whether you're looking for a natural mineral sunscreen, a luscious moisturizer to relieve eczema, or a tear-free shampoo the whole family will love, you can count on Babo Botanicals. Made locally in the USA on a farm in New York, Babo Botanicals' safe and natural products are as gentle on your skin and hair as they are on the planet. Use the link in the show notes to shop Babo Botanicals today. Alright friends, speaking of things that are good for you and for the world, we're here today to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. For some of you, these may be words you're tired of hearing about, or as our guest today calls it, having diversity fatigue. For others, these may be words that you don't even fully know the meaning of. Wherever you're at today, this episode is just for you. Jackie Ferguson, our guest today, is a writer, a podcaster, and a diversity expert. With her role in the business she co-founded called The Diversity Movement, Jackie is passionate about sharing how diversity benefits us all, whether we identify as a minority or not, and how it's actually good for businesses. Today on the show, she's educating us on how diversity, equity, and inclusion, or otherwise known as DEI, are three distinct concepts, and she's also sharing on how we can incorporate them into our lives, whether we're CEOs or stay-at-home parents. She's also going to educate us on some other terms that can be helpful to know and understand, like unconscious bias and inclusive language. And altogether, this is a very, very enlightening conversation, which is really fitting, isn't it? And today is just part one. Next week in part two, we'll continue the education and learn about other terms and concepts that are so important to be aware of, so you got to make sure to tune back in for that. That's why I always want to remind you to subscribe to the show if you haven't yet. That's the best way to stay up to date on when new episodes are out, and you can get them downloaded right to your phone so no data is necessary to listen. Also, don't forget about leaving a rating and a review for the show. Reviews are so helpful because they tell Apple Podcasts and all the other podcast sites that people like what I'm doing, and that means more people will hear about the show. I especially want more people to hear the interviews like we're doing today with Jackie so that they can understand concepts like equity and inclusion. These are just so relevant to the world we live in today, and more people need to understand them and how they benefit us all and how to incorporate them into their lives. Oh, and when you leave a review, I give away $2 of my own hard-earned money, so leaving a review is beneficial in so many different ways, and it only takes a couple minutes, so please go do that right now. All right, friends, without any further ado, here is my conversation with Jackie Ferguson. All right. Hey, Jackie. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mackenzie. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to chat with you today. Can you just start with introducing yourself for everyone who's listening? Sure. Um, My name is Jackie Ferguson. I am the head of content and programming for the diversity movement. I am the host of the Diversity Beyond the Checkbox podcast. I'm a certified diversity executive, and I am super excited to be here and uh, to share some things with you today in your audience. Yes. Yeah. We're so excited to have you. Uh, You're up to a lot of awesome things. And I guess, I I don't know if I realized that you were also a podcast host. Tell us about your podcast. Sure. So the Diversity Beyond the Checkbox podcast is a podcast where I talk to some really amazing guests and the theme throughout is, you know, diversity, equity, and, and inclusion. 
but I talk to many different people in many industries. And we talk about um, some of the inequities that exist in our society and how to mitigate those, You know, how to overcome challenges when you're the only one in an organization, um, which happens more often than we would like. And then, you know, just talking about some of the ways that we can use diversity, equity, and inclusion to make sure that people in organizations and in our communities are feeling safe and valued and respected. Mm -hmm. That's so neat. And I love the name of the show. We're going to kind of talk about that concept in general today is like going beyond the checkbox. So that's, that's really cool. So tell us about the organization you work for. I guess, I don't know, is it a nonprofit? Is the diversity movement a for-profit? It's not a nonprofit. It's, it's, a for-profit, but we work with organizations to ensure that we're infusing DEI Mm -hmm. throughout their organizations. So basically with the, um, the diversity movement, you know, we are business strategists that use DEI as a way to provide transformational outcomes um, through the concepts of diversity, equity, and inclusion for your organization. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so neat. Really cool. Okay, yeah, so we're that's kind of what connected us. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that and the work that you do. But I guess tell us about kind of your role with the diversity movement, just so people can get a vibe of what you really do kind of day in and day out. Sure. So I'm a writer by trade, um, Mm -hmm. but I've spent a lot of time in, you know, marketing and human resources. And that's where I started to Um, really understand the benefits of DEI. Um, I learned uh, inclusive marketing, inclusive recruiting, participated on some DEI councils. But, you know, we started the diversity movement. I was working for our current CEO um, in a marketing agency, Walk West, who was building online courses in their traditional lanes, right? So marketing, professional development. And because we were authentically inclusive, we were able to leverage the benefits of innovation and creativity organically. So his thought was to share these benefits with our clients um, and others. So he said, let's build a course. So we started the organization by building a course um, in DEI, a foundational course. And after, you know, rolling that out in beta to uh, organizations that we had relationships with, we started getting the questions of, this is great. What do we do next? Right. Mm -hmm. And so what we were able to do was create a full consultancy and my role with the organization, I have a dual role. So I'm a co-founder and a corporate director, and I'm also the head of content and programming. So ultimately I ensure that everything that you read, watch, and attend with the diversity movement reflects, you know, high standards, best practices, and, um, you know, interesting perspectives, too, that allow you to make progress on your DEI journey. Mm-hmm. That's so neat, especially because I feel like a lot of us have probably taken some kind of course that we didn't love necessarily. You know, sure. like I think of the sexual harassment training videos yeah. that you have to take when you work for That's maybe right. certain companies or schools or whatever it is. Yeah. And I had a conversation with someone who worked in HR about that once about how most of us would say those trainings are really bad. Like they're not very good. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's because the company is probably buying the most affordable one because it's just, it's more about them covering 
like covering themselves, you know, more so than it is about them, like wanting people to have the best training, um, which is kind of sad. But (laughs) uh, I mean, and you really just hit it, Mackenzie, on the head, because what happens is people are looking for compliant or companies rather are looking for compliance based training, right? So they want to check the box, right? And so what we do is we infuse DEI throughout the organization and explain to you why it's good for business, mm-hmm. why it's good for your employees. So it's beyond just, you know, I don't want there to be a problem, but more about leaning into leveraging it for the, the betterment of your organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so cool. A different mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's like a great way to have more people just really buy into it rather than, like you said, just check the box. So neat. Okay. So we're going to talk more about that and kind of what you guys actually are teaching people. But first, I want to rewind just a little bit and talk kind of broadly about DEI. And I guess my first question for you is just if you'll define that term, because some people might be thinking like, wait, what? what is DEI? I have never heard that before. So can you define that acronym and what each of the terms mean. Absolutely. So DEI stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And very often you'll hear those terms coupled together, right? But they're actually very distinct. So let's talk about each of those. So Mm -hmm. diversity is about people and, you know, whatever makes up an individual's individuality, right? So that could be anything from you know, race and gender, which are very often the things you think of when you think of diversity, to, you know, personality and your experiences and, you know, your disability or your age or, you know, there's so many things that that encompass um, diversity mm-hmm. outside of just, again, race and gender, which is what a lot of people think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, The next term is equity. So equity is about um, policies and processes. So when you think about um, in your organization, um, for example, how your your maternity leave policy is written, you don't want to have just maternity leave, right? But what about parents who are adopting? What about, you know, parents who, you know, really lean in on the early stage of of their, you know, child's life and, and they need parental leave? Um, for fathers as well. And so if you think about lived experiences and those being varied, you know, equity is about making sure that your policies and processes incorporate and include everyone and their lifestyle, their identity. And so that's what equity is. Mm-hmm. And it creates balance to Mackenzie in, in that, you know, you use equity to get to equality, right? So And then uh, inclusion is the I, right? And inclusion Mm -hmm. is about participation. So do people feel safe and welcome in the organization? Do they feel empowered to speak up and to be themselves? So again, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Diversity is about people. Equity is about processes. Uh, Inclusion is about participation. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think that gives even me a much better understanding of how they're all kind of their own thing, even though, like you said, we group them together a lot. And you sort of answered my next question already, which was, who are we talking about when we talk about DEI? Because like you said, I think a lot of times people are just thinking of like women and people of color, but it goes far beyond that, right? 
Absolutely, Mackenzie. Uh, you know, and, and this question is so important because diversity includes everyone. You know, if you mm-hmm. think about the lived experience experiences of every person, right? So let's take uh, being a veteran, for example. Um, that's mm-hmm. a diversity group. So if you think about their ability to, you know, to go through these processes and and the way that they are, you know, super responsible, super regimented, that can be really beneficial within an organization. Mm-hmm. The way they, you know, have to think about things in a in a very deliberate process, the way that they, mm-hmm. you know, prioritize things, the way that they think about being responsible, those are are characteristics that are beneficial in any organization. So, you know, and that's just one. So if you think about veterans there, but you know, if you think about age, you know, there's there's so much opportunity for innovation coming from from different people with different lived experiences. If you think about neurodiversity, for example, so I'm dyslexic. And what that means is I think in a nonlinear way. Mm-hmm. So where most people think, you know, step one, step two, step three, the way I think about things is kind of a little bit all over the place, but it comes together. And, you know, I'm really great at finding holes in plans, holes in products, you know, that that need to be covered before we roll them out. And so being able to leverage all the different aspects of diversity among all people is is really important to, you know, the the benefits that can be leveraged for business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so neat. Okay, so yeah, let's let's talk about why you think, or not just why you think, but why you found that DEI matters, mm-hmm. and whether that's just in general, because obviously not everybody listening is like running a business, right? But why does it matter in general and then specifically for businesses? Yeah. So why it matters in general, Mackenzie, is, you know, I think it's important that we create communities and environments where people feel safe and feel like they can be themselves, their full selves. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's so much, you know, concern and issues with the fact that people don't feel that they can bring their full selves to work, bring their full selves to you know, their, their neighborhoods and and their surroundings, whatever those are. And so you want to make sure that people around you feel like they can be themselves Mm -hmm. and be happy. Why it matters for business is the exact same reason why innovation and technology matters for business. You know, our, our world is becoming more and more diverse. Our society is becoming more diverse. And so the people that live around us, the people that we're working with, the people that are working for us need to understand how to communicate, message, lead people of diverse groups. And so in order to be able to, um, you know, leverage, for example, leverage the benefits of DEI, you've got to be able to, you know, have people included in your organization that are from diverse groups that feel like they, they can contribute. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the things that I think about Mackenzie a lot of times with technology is, is blockbuster, right? So mm-hmm. there was a time when um, Netflix went to blockbuster and basically blockbuster laughed them out of the room mm-hmm. because they were like, you know, you know, I'm a, a Gen Xer. So I spent <laughs> every Friday night in, in blockbuster video, picking out my movies mm-hmm picking up my snacks, right? Mm-hmm. But the world was changing. Mm-hmm. And they were not they were not listening to the fact that 
you know, the world was changing. And so with DEI, if you don't understand that our world is changing, people are becoming more and more diverse, our families are becoming more diverse, and then Gen Z entering the workplace is more diverse than any generation before, Mm -hmm. you know, how are you going to message them? How are you going to lead them if you're not prioritizing DEI in your organization and understanding how to leverage that for good, mm-hmm. you're going to be left behind like Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. That's such a good example. Wow. Yeah. That's so funny. My husband just watched the, I think it's on Netflix. There was like a documentary about the last Blockbuster because there's one left in Oregon. And yes. that's like the only one. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, okay. Really cool. And kind of to piggyback off of that question, This is a question I thought of when I was preparing my questions for you. And I don't know if you read it and thought like, what a strange question, because it felt strange to type it. But I wanted to ask you because I had heard someone say this once and I was like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh. And I will say this person is from the baby boomer generations. I haven't heard anyone my age say something like this, but um, they said, I think life would just be easier if we all just lived in homogenous communities. Like essentially mm-hmm. if we just didn't have diversity because then we wouldn't like argue about things. Like we would just be around people who are like yeah. us. And um, yeah. yeah, I wanted to ask you kind of like, what is your response to someone who thinks that way? Because I almost feel like I, I'm not saying this for me, but sometimes I feel like people get tired of hearing the word diversity. Like we use it so much now, yeah. like it is kind That's of an right. oversaturated almost. And I mm-hmm. think people, um, yeah, get tired of like, oh my gosh, diversity, like having to check a checkbox almost, you know? And Absolutely. so what's your response to people kind of with that mindset? So first of all, I love this question, Mackenzie, because this is really, uh, you know, representative of the way a lot of people think. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's because they don't understand. So is it easier to live in a homogenous community? Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Is it as fun? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so, (laughs) One of the things, you know, when you're around people that think like you, act like you, have the same experiences as you do, you know, sure, it's easy. You don't have to reach, right, or, or flex to understand other people. But what we're finding is, one, again, society is becoming more diverse. So that's less and less, you have less of an opportunity to live in homogenous communities, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then, you know, it's just, you know, you, you, when you think about it, it's you know, it's, it's just not as, it's not as fun, like I said earlier. And so what I think about that is, you know, you want to really take time to understand more about other people, because if you're living in a homogenous community, you still are working right in a, in a business that's likely not homogenous. Mm -hmm. And so if your lived experiences and what happens is you've got this very closed lived experience at, at home and, and in your surroundings, your neighborhoods, and then you go into the workplace and now you've got all these diverse identities. You don't know how to interact with them. You're uncomfortable around them, mm-hmm. right? And so you want to branch out and and be uncomfortable and that's okay. Um, but learn about people. It's, um, you know, it's, one, it's necessary because we're we're just more diverse. And then two, you know, these younger generations are are very different, right? Their friends are more diverse. Their you know their families are more diverse. And so 
you know, in order to continue to to be able to to bond and and connect with these younger generations, you you've got to be open. Mm-hmm. And then you know, yeah, diversity training, you know, diversity courses, you know, you're you're overhearing that word. And a lot of times, as you said earlier, Mackenzie, you know, these trainings are are boring, they're uninspired, they're compliance-based. And what you want to do is make sure that you're making diversity training fun. You're even though it, it can be different and you, you have to change the way you're thinking about certain things, you know, if you lean into it, it can make you a better leader. It can make you a better neighbor and a better person overall. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. But I also agree with what you said, kind of to start with, just like, well, first of all, that's just never going to happen. So that's not a realistic way to think. Like, ain't going to happen. So might as well move on past that idea. <laughs> but no, I agree. And I think that's, I mean, obviously, that's the heart of the heart of the diversity movement is to show people how mm-hmm. diversity makes us all better, which I think if people really yeah. think about it and don't just focus on like race for one, we need diversity of all kinds to thrive. Like, like that's you were saying. So absolutely. That's exactly right. And the one other thing just to add Mackenzie to reinforce rather is just, you know, diversity includes everyone. And I think what happens is people get tired of hearing things that that they're on the outside of, mm-hmm. right? But if you if your organization is doing diversity right, everyone feels part of it. Mm-hmm. Everyone feels included yeah. and everyone benefits from it. And yeah. so that's important to to make sure that you're reinforcing. But again, a lot of organizations don't do that and and that's where the the diversity fatigue comes from. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Okay, so What's your recommendation? We're going to talk in a little bit just about like some of the principles you like to teach and some really important like terms and concepts to be aware of. But what's your advice for how we actually incorporate diversity, equity, and inclusion in our lives? And whether that's, I always like to think about all the types of listeners that I have. So whether it's someone who is running a business or, you know, is working for a business or maybe they stay at home with their kids or whatever it is, like, how can we all try to incorporate those things better? Sure. So the first thing I would say is educate yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, again, we all see the world through our own lens of experience. So opening yourselves up to different perspectives, different information bases is beneficial. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing I would say is speak up when you see or hear bias or exclusion, right? Mm -hmm. You want to be an ally and then, you know, use inclusive language. Mm -hmm. So, and for business leaders, ensure that you're creating cultures where people feel comfortable bringing their full selves to work. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think obviously the first point you made educating yourself is so important. And it's, Mm -hmm. I like to emphasize that that's like a lifelong journey too. Like you're not going to get to the point of like, I've arrived. I know everything about diversity that there is to know because it's always changing. Like, just like, you know, our country is always changing. And I, I talked recently with Dr. Marissa, um, I had her on the podcast and she talked, she gave the example of, I think we were talking about like pronouns or just like, you know, names that people prefer to be called or like name pronunciation or whatever it is. And she was, you know, talking about how people are like, oh my gosh, just give me the book on it. Like, I don't know, like I'm always offending somebody. And she was like, 
okay, you're, yeah, probably you are always going to offend somebody. Like that's just, that happens, but it's about learning Mm -hmm. and trying next time. You know, it's not about memorizing everything perfectly and just being right all the time. It's about learning. And if you do offend someone, then just say, oh, sorry, like I'll remember that for next time. And maybe the next time it comes up, it might have changed already. And that's okay. Like that's going to happen. It is going to change. And so just kind of like rolling with that and knowing that there isn't a book on it and you're not going to be able to memorize it all perfectly. (laughs) Mackenzie, that's exactly right. You know, it's an ongoing journey and there are so many diverse identities and even people within this, you know, same diversity groups identify differently within that group, right? And so you can't learn it all, but you can Mm -hmm. do a couple of things. One, I recommend listening to how people refer to themselves, right? How do people describe themselves? And then use Mm -hmm. that language with them. And then second, just lean into being uncomfortable and and messing up and try again and keep practicing. That's, That's the most important thing. But, you know, just be easy with other people. Be easy with yourself apologize if you offend someone. And, you know, I find that most people that know that you're on this, this journey, right, are, are so mm-hmm. gracious and, and willing to help you with language that makes them feel mm-hmm. valued and respected and uh, just mm-hmm. lean into it. That's great advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to talk to you when we talked earlier, you told me about some of the key principles that you guys, you know, as a, or- do you call yourself an organization or a company? Yeah. Okay. As an organization, focus on when you're educating people. So I wanted to talk about some of these. Uh, They're really big concepts, but I think they're really, really important ones and really interesting to be aware of. And, you know, some of these might be things people have thought of, but they had never put like a name to it. So I think it would be cool to cover some of these terms and concepts just so that people know. But you had mentioned previously inclusive language. So can you kind of tell us what you mean by that and, and why it's important? You know, why do we need to be more aware of the way we phrase things and the impact that that carries? But yeah, first, what what do you mean when you say inclusive language? Absolutely. So inclusive language means consciously working to find ways to name, honor, and value experiences and identities. And increasing the inclusivity of our language means striving to understand the ways in which our language makes assumptions about people and then unintentionally reinforces dominant norms around um, gender, sexual orientation, race, ability and disability, age, and and other um, diversity concepts and, and identities. And so using inclusive language means that you are, one, li- again, listening for how people refer to themselves and using language that is broad and makes people feel included. Um, For example, if you think of, um, you know, I'm from the Northeast originally. And so I, I, you know, grew up saying, hi guys, right? But that's not an inclusive term. So you want to say, hi, everyone, refer to people as team. But that's important because you don't want to unintentionally exclude people Mm-hmm. who, um, you know, need to be brought in, need to be messaged. And and very often you do that unintentionally with the language that you're using. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times these are, these are terms and phrases that we grew up using, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. unlearning that is also a process. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's, it's one that we have to be in consistent practice with. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, one great example of that is I live in the South and moving here when I was working, especially the young men that I, I worked in a university, especially mm-hmm. the young men, but even the young women, so everything was yes, ma'am. No, Mm ma'am. You know, everything. And that's how they were raised. And they Mm -hmm. even refer to their parents that way. And they're taught to refer to anybody who is their superior or their elder in that way. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't bother me at all. I thought it was very respectful, um, especially because I'm not that much older than them. So I I was glad to know that they saw me as, you know, their superior and kind of knew how that went. And we, we talked to our son about you know, you don't just say no to your parents. You you can say no, thank you, or you can say no, ma'am, or no, sir. Mm-hmm. But we've talked about how like we, but we will have to teach him that like you don't just call everybody that because some people wouldn't like that, you know, and some people don't want to be referred to, you know, by their gender. You don't know mm-hmm. how they identify, That's and right. and we'll have to talk to him about that. And I feel for the students who are you know who I'm talking about like in their twenties who that would be a really hard thing to unlearn if they have been doing that their whole lives. They were raised, you know, for the past 20 years to do that. It's a hard thing to unlearn, but it is important just to think about. And it kind of goes back to what we were just saying of, I don't think anybody would assume you have bad intentions with that, but the intention isn't always what what matters there, right? It's about learning like, oh, okay, that person doesn't like that. So I'm going to try not to do that next time, you know? That's exactly right, Mackenzie. And, you know, certainly the intention is not bad, but Mm -hmm. being misgendered is is extremely hurtful and painful sometimes for Mm -hmm. a lot of people who are non-binary or trans. And you want to make sure that you're not making assumptions around gender, right? That Mm -hmm. you're being inclusive. And you do that by using phrases that are all-encompassing. And then again, yeah. listening for how people refer to themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very important. And it's, I think, going to be, you know, whether you're in business or, like mm-hmm. I said, like a stay-at-home mom, you're going to find that more and more. And just kind of building that habit of not making assumptions, I think, is is a great way to approach it. And it's, it's not that hard, you know. <laughs> it's not like you have to invent new language. It's that's just, right. um, you know, how would you talk to someone if you – had never met them before and you didn't know if they were male or female, just kind of talking about them in that same way, I guess. So yeah, that's really good. And I guess, let me ask you too, how does that, I think that's kind of where my mind goes is to LGBTQ plus Mm -hmm. community with inclusive language, but what other areas would inclusive language apply to? So definitely around uh, disability, um, definitely mm-hmm. around race, definitely around religion. So Mackenzie, we have a, a white paper that you can download for free at the diversity movement on inclusive language. Okay. And so it, it will li- literally list out words and phrases that are non-inclusive that we very often use and what to use instead. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, even at the diversity movement constantly refer to that because you know, inclusive language is a is a practice, and mm-hmm. there are so many things that that we have learned, right, to say as children that are outside of that inclusive language realm that we have to pull back, just like you said with the yes, ma'am, no, sir, mm-hmm. and and learn how to be more inclusive in the way that we're speaking, because you know that's something that just takes effort, it's no cost, and. You can make people in your environments, whether it's a work environment or community 
feel more included and, and feel valued and seen and respected. And that's mm-hmm. ultimately um, what we're doing as an organization. And I think what all DEI practitioners are looking to do. That sounds like a great resource. So I'll make sure to link that in the show notes. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. And then a few other terms that you had mentioned to me, and again, these might be new to some people, so I'm excited to dive in, but unconscious bias, that's a really big one. Mm -hmm. And I've talked about that, I think a little bit on the show. I don't know if we ever truly put a name to it, but I've done a few episodes like about racial reconciliation. And I think this concept Mm -hmm. is so important, but again, it probably applies to many other areas outside of race. But um, what is unconscious bias? I guess start with that. Sure. So unconscious bias or sometimes called implicit bias Mm -hmm. are these assumptions that we make about people very often without, well, unconscious is without, you know, deliberate thought. So our brain processes information very quickly. And we're, we're actually processing millions of pieces of information unconsciously and then about 40 pieces of information consciously per second. So the, this, the reason why unconscious bias is pervasive and we all have unconscious bias, mm-hmm. every single person, right? So if you think about those first impressions, right, or just those, those snap judgments that you make about people, very often they're wrong and not rooted in any kind of fact at all. And so, you know, unconscious bias, one, again, everyone has it. Mm -hmm. And there are are ways to mitigate it by asking yourself a few questions. But you have unconscious bias against or for, right? Because it can be against people or things or for people or things, right? And so you have to make sure that you're, you know, not engaging that bias as you're making decisions especially in organizations. Mm -hmm. So if we think about just the recruiting process, right? That when you're first first writing a a job description, Mm -hmm. when you're overemphasizing the the nice-to-haves, right, you can exclude people of color and women because people of color and women need to feel 90% qualified for a job to apply versus a white male who needs to feel 60% qualified to mm. apply in general. Studies have shown that that is the case. Mm. And then when you get the resumes in, right, there's things like name bias, address bias, school bias, which mm. can be for or against, right? And then when you're in the interview process, things can occur like, you know, traditional bias, like based on a way a person's dressed, do you have bias for or against, right? There's beauty bias. There are things like, you know, I mentioned um, school bias, but, you know, very often most of us who have participated in interviews and recruiting have found something in common with the candidate, right? Whether it's a school or a hobby or whatever, Mm -hmm. and then spend half of the interview talking about this thing we have in common. Mm -hmm. And we haven't evaluated if that person is qualified for the job. Mm-hmm. Then they leave the interview and they're like, oh, this person's great. Mm-hmm. But then you, if you get them into the, the role and they're actually not qualified, you know, you're, you're in a lurch because, you know, you've got someone that can't do the job as well as some of the other candidates that, that you've let go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, unconscious bias is, is something that we all have to um, mitigate because we all have it. 
And then the reason why unconscious bias is, is such an issue is because we're doing so many things at once. And again, our brain processes information so fast. So what we want to do to mitigate that bias is slow down and take a pause and ask ourselves a couple of questions. So things like, am I having a, an immediate reaction to this person and why? Does this person remind me of someone, mm-hmm. right? So things like that can create can create bias, right? If, if someone looks like someone that, you know, you didn't have a good relationship with, are, are you going to, you know, unconsciously hold that against them? And you might not think you are, but you certainly can. And, you know, studies show too, you know, beauty bias is a, is a real thing. So people that are perceived as more attractive make more money. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. And I think I liked what you pointed out that like we all have this, you know, it's not just something that like white males have or that like people in positions yeah. of power have, like we all have them. And I, I remember a class in college that I took where we talked about the difference between stereotypes and prejudice, I think, and how like stereotypes, we all have them and they actually, act, they can be helpful. Like they help us kind of navigate our, the world and like organize things in our mind. And it's when we like fail to recognize our stereotypes and then believe them to be true that they become prejudice. But that like, you know, we all, like you said, feel a connection to people who, you know, remind us of ourselves. Like if you're walking down the road and there's a male on this side of the street and a female on this side of the street, if you're a female, you probably want to go on the side where the female is because you might feel more comfortable because you're a female also, right? And so like we all have those unconscious biases and like that's not necessarily a negative thing, but it's when we fail to recognize them that they can play a really harmful part in things like jobs and recruiting and whatnot, like you said. Absolutely. And Mackenzie, I think you're talking about discrimination, right? Yeah. So you, it's important to discriminate among, right? So you want to discriminate among things, but you don't want to discriminate against mm, things. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's a, a definitely an important point. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So true. Authentic inclusivity and diversity that includes everybody. Who doesn't want more of that in their lives? I love how Jackie was able to show us that DEI doesn't just benefit minorities or those on the margins, but it's truly about all of us because we all have diverse things about us. I also love how Jackie showed that incorporating DEI into our lives can be really simple and at no cost to us. A lot of it is just about shifting our mindset and continuing to learn. No matter what you do for work or where you live, these concepts matter and they play big roles in our lives. And no matter where you're at, Jackie and the diversity movement have lots of resources for us to keep learning. I'm linking her website and her podcast and anything else that we referenced today in the show notes, including the link to shop Babo Botanicals. Check those out on whatever app you're using to listen today or on my website. And while you're there, don't forget about leaving a rating and a review for the show and subscribing. Subscribing is free and easy to do. You can do it right now on whatever app you're listening on by hitting the subscribe button. And that way you won't forget to tune back in next week for part two of this conversation with Jackie. Oh, and also, would you please be willing to share the show with some friends? More people need to hear these conversations and more people definitely need to know about the diversity movement and the work that they're doing. So text it to your friends or share online that you're listening. Both Jackie and I would appreciate that so, so much. 
All right, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in today, for listening to this show. Until next time, remember to go beyond the checkbox when you think about DEI. Remember that diversity includes us all, and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out.